0: Happy Easter. It is so good to see all of you. Welcome to Fort Caroline Baptist Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you are new, my name is Ricky. I'm honored to be the lead pastor here at Fort Caroline, and we are happy to have this time with you. And whether you're watching online or you're in the room, thank you so much for being here. We're going to start a new series for this month called Comeback. You know, it's just never too late. You're never too far gone for a comeback. By God's grace, but I do have some bad news for you today. This message may not be for you. I I could be wasting your time today uh, because today I'm talking about how to come back from failure. So if you've never failed God, then this message is not for you. (laughs) If you've never done that one thing you said you would never do, then this message is not for you. If you've never committed that same sin again and again after you said you wouldn't, then this this message is not for you. If you've never disappointed God or your family members or even yourself by the bad choices you've made, then this message is not for you. But I have a sneaking suspicion that every one of us have tasted the bitter fruit of failure in our lives. That no matter who you are, we all know what it is to disappoint God, to disappoint others, and even to disappoint ourselves by the choices that we make. And so that is the good news today. The good news is this is where the Easter story intersects with your story. The Bible is filled with people who failed God and who failed themselves and who let other people down. But it's also filled with people who found a way to come back from their failure. And I can't think of anyone better to talk about today than a guy we know as Peter, Uh, He's now called the Apostle Peter. But long before he was the Apostle Peter, he was just Simon. He was called by Jesus Cephas or Peter. And Peter was one of the original 12 disciples of Jesus. But he knew what it was to go from being a hero to a zero. Because he failed in such a way that it got recorded in the Bible. (laughs) You think your failures are bad? Aren't you glad that 2,000 years from now people aren't going to be reading about it? But we're still reading about this guy's failure because it was so bad. And what I want to do today is just take a few moments to look at the life of Peter and see how he failed Jesus and see how he felt about his failure. But most of all, see how Jesus responded to his failure. And we're going to draw three lessons from Peter's life today. And these are the same lessons I believe God wants you to hear It's not an accident that you're here today. It's not an accident that you're watching or listening today. God wants you to hear this good news. In fact, I'll put it on the screen because this is so important. Here's what we're going to learn today. You can come back from failure because Jesus came back for you. When Jesus walked out of that grave alive, he came back for you. He came back to let you know that God is in the business of writing comeback stories. And there's somebody that needs to hear this today. Now, there's a lot of scripture that we're going to read today, so I'm going to put them up on the screen, but they're also available on our website under the sermon notes tab. So if you want to follow along there, you can do that as well. But the first lesson I want you to see today is your failures do not surprise Jesus. Your failures may surprise your mama. Your failures may surprise your, your spouse. Your failures may surprise your neighbor. Your failures may even surprise you but they do not surprise Jesus. As a matter of fact, you may remember that Jesus, before he was betrayed by Judas, had had the Passover meal with his disciples. Then he instituted the Lord's Supper, taking bread and wine, symbolizing his body that would be given for us on the cross and his blood that would be shed. And after having done that, he took his disciples out to the Mount of Olives for a time of prayer. And Jesus predicted in that time that his disciples would flee and they would scatter when Jesus was arrested and when he was beaten and betrayed and crucified. In fact, you can read about what Jesus said in Mark chapter 14, beginning with verse 27. Let me read it to you. Mark 14, verse 27, and Jesus said to them, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah chapter 13 verse 7 where the shepherd of the sheep will be struck. And what happens when the shepherd goes down? The sheep scatter. And Jesus said, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to be struck down and you are going to scatter. And then Jesus promised in verse 28, but after I am raised up, Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to die, but I'm also going to rise from the dead. After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So how does Peter respond to this? Verse 29, Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Peter is comparing himself to the other disciples of Jesus. And he's saying, Jesus, far be it from me to tell you how to run this show. But I'm with you. I wouldn't trust these jokers either. They're probably gonna run at the first sight of trouble, but not me. I will not deny you. I will not flee. I will not be scattered. They will fall away, but I will not. Verse 30, and Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Jesus says, it's not about you denying me hypothetically in some distant future before this night is over, big boy. You'll have denied me three times. Verse 31, but he, Peter, said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. So Peter says, I'll die before I deny knowing you. And everybody else says, Yeah, me too. I, I, me, I'm, I'm just as committed as he is. And in that moment, Jesus has told Peter, Your failure may surprise you, but it doesn't surprise me. I see it coming. In fact, Luke records the sad scene in Peter's life in his gospel in in Luke chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. If you remember, Jesus is betrayed by Judas and Jesus is arrested. He's taken to the house of the high priest Caiaphas and there Jesus is put on trial for blasphemy. It is a sham trial on trumped up charges. And while Jesus is inside on trial for his life, Peter is lurking in the shadows, trying to stay close enough to see what's going on, hopefully hear something, but he doesn't want to be known as one of the disciples of Jesus because just as Jesus was arrested by the Jewish authorities, his life was in danger as well. So he, he eventually goes up to this charcoal fire that is in the courtyard of the high priest's house. And he starts warming himself, hoping to just kind of blend in with the crowd of people that had gathered that night. And while Peter's face glows in front of the fire, a little servant girl sees him and she starts looking at him. And she stares at him. Have you ever been in the grocery store and you're behind this this lady that's got her child on her shoulder or in the cart in front of you? And that child just stares at you. You're going, what do they know? I don't know. And that's probably probably how Peter felt because this little girl keeps staring at him and finally she blurts out, you're one of the disciples of Jesus. And Peter denies it. Woman, I don't know what you're talking about is what he said. A little while passes and Peter thinks he's in the clear when a man sees him and says, no, you're one of the disciples of Jesus. I know who you are. And for the second time that night, Peter says, I don't know what you're talking about. An hour goes by and a third person says, no, you are one of the Galileans. I can hear it in your accent. You're one of the followers of Jesus. And the Bible says with words of cursing, with vulgar words coming out of his mouth, Peter denies he even knows Jesus. And in that moment, The rooster crows. And in that very moment of his third denial, it is no coincidence that they are bringing Jesus out to take him to his next trial. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Face to face with Jesus Peter now realizes what he's done. Verse 62, and he, Peter, went out and wept bitterly. He went out and he sobbed deep sighs of grief over how he had done the one thing he said he would never do. He went from being that hero who had once said to Jesus when Jesus asked, who do you think I am? And Peter is the one who said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And now he has gone to being a zero where he is so cowardly. He has done the one thing he said he would never do. He has denied the very Jesus who loved him. And who predicted his failure. You see, Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And Jesus knows you better than you know yourself. You walk around in pride and arrogance and boasting, I'd never do this. I'll never do that again. It's a new day for me. And if you lean on your own strength, you are going to fall on your face. You need to hear Jesus. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows we're sinners. But he came to show us his love. And to pay the price for our sin. Jesus is arrested. He's beaten. He's convicted by the Jews. He's turned over to the Romans. Because only the Romans could crucify. And use capital punishment. And so they kill Jesus on a cross. And of course you know the rest of the story. But the first lesson I want you to hear today. Is your failures do not surprise Jesus. Doesn't excuse you or me. Doesn't take away our free will but he knows. Now, the second question maybe Peter had is not only am I capable of doing that, but now that I've done it, could God ever forgive me? Could Jesus ever love me again? And the second lesson is your failures do not sever the love of Jesus. Peter was personally chosen by Jesus to be one of the twelve. It's one thing if Peter was just this average guy, but he was one of the inner circle of Jesus. You read about the 12, but often in the Gospels, you read about the three, Peter, James, and John. He was in that inner circle of Jesus. He was one of the first disciples chosen by Jesus. Peter, come follow me. He was there when Jesus performed his first miracle of turning water into wine. Peter was there when Jesus preached those powerful sermons. You can only imagine the private Bible studies that Peter sat at the feet of Jesus and learned. Peter was there when Jesus fed over 5,000 people with the little boy's lunch. Peter was there when Jesus walked on water and calmed the raging storm. Peter even got out of the boat and for a moment walked on the water with Jesus. Peter was there when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And Peter is the one who says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of God in flesh. That's the Peter who denied even knowing Jesus. And I tell you, if Peter is capable of failing in such a massive way, who am I to think I'm not capable? And Peter had to have questioned, does God love me? Can I ever be forgiven for what I've done? Will Jesus ever forgive me? Could Jesus ever love me again? Well, that's the Easter story as well. Fast forward to Sunday morning, the first Easter morning, Mark chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. The women go to the tomb to finish the embalming process of Jesus. In fact, last Thursday night, some ladies in our church asked me the question, Pastor, if, if the body of Jesus was wrapped in, in, in cloth and the spices were placed on his body and they placed him in the tomb by the men that Friday night, why did the women have to go And it says, do that on Sunday morning. And I said, well, first of all, because they were in a hurry on Friday and they they didn't get to finish, but also the women knew if the men did that, we need to go and get that right. We need to go and (laughs) we need to fix this. (laughs) It's kind of like when I make the bed and then my wife comes in and really makes the bed. There's a whole difference there. And so the women go to the tomb early that morning And they're worried about who's going to roll the stone away. We're not strong enough to do it because it's a massive stone in front of a carved out tomb in a rock. But here's what we discover. Mark 16, verse 4. And looking up, the women looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. And they were alarmed. They don't understand at this moment, that's not just a young man. That's an angel sitting in that tomb. There are actually two of them. Mark only mentions one. Verse 6, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now listen to the instructions that the angel gives to the women. And these instructions the angel received from Jesus. Verse 7, but go, tell his disciples. What are the next two words? And Peter. That he is going before you to Galilee. Then you will see him just as he told you. The last time Jesus and Peter saw each other is when Peter had denied Jesus. Now after the resurrection, you can only imagine Peter is dejected, beaten down, guilt-ridden, filled with shame. I can picture him sitting in a darkened corner in that upper room with the other disciples, wondering what are we going to do now that Jesus is dead, all hope is lost, when suddenly the women come bursting into the room, We've got good news. We went to the tomb, but it's empty. And not only is it empty, but an angel has told us that Jesus has risen. We saw it with our own eyes. The tomb is empty. Where they put Jesus' body is empty. And the angel said, Jesus wants to meet you boys in Galilee. And the angel told us, come and tell the disciples and Peter. You can imagine Peter's ears perk up from the corner. What? What? Wait a minute, back up. What did you say? Did did the angel call me by name? Yes, Peter. He says, go and tell his disciples and Peter. Can you imagine how that must have made Peter feel? At first, he's probably wondering, oh, no. If this is real, I'm in trouble. Or he was thinking, if this is real, Jesus still wants me. He's not done with me. He hasn't washed his hands of me. I don't know if you know this, but the gospel of Mark was written by by John Mark, but he was not an original disciple of Jesus. In fact, his gospel, written somewhere between the years of AD 65 and 70, are the eyewitness accounts of Peter. Peter is the one who dictated the gospel to Mark. And you can imagine Peter as an old man, hunched over the shoulder of Mark as he's sitting at a table and Mark has his quill in his hand and an unrolled parchment and he is writing the gospel story of Jesus. And Peter gets to this story and he says, and he said, go tell his disciples and Peter. No, Mark, make sure you write that down. And Peter. Peter never got over the fact that Jesus was not done with him, that Jesus still loved him And friend, I need you to hear me today. I don't know what you've done. I don't know how you've messed up. But I can tell you this on the authority of God's word. God loves you. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, not just generally, but you individually, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish in their sin, but will have everlasting life. So you can read John three sixteen. for God so loved the world and Sue, and God so loved the world and Ricky, God so loved the world and Bill, God so loved the world and put your name, he loves you. And you need to never forget that. Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary was the greatest demonstration of love the world has ever seen. Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God has demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Our sins don't surprise Jesus, but neither do our sins sever the love of Jesus. It is our sins that motivated Jesus to come and to show us how much he loves us by giving his life for us on the cross. In the third lesson today, it's very simply this, your failures do not stop you from serving Jesus or living for Jesus unless you allow them to. There's a private encounter that Jesus has with Peter. We're not told what happened, where it was, what was said. Luke tells us in his gospel, I think it was chapter 24, that Jesus met with Peter privately. I can only imagine Jesus talking with him, Peter confessing his sin, Jesus saying, I forgive you, son. About a week goes by and they're supposed to meet Jesus in Galilee. And while they're waiting, Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going to go fishing. That's what Peter was by trade. He was a fisherman. And the other guy said, well, we'll go with you. So in that culture, they would launch the boat out into the Sea of Galilee, this massive freshwater lake, and they would use nets that they would cast out into the water and then drag those nets in, enclosing a school of fish. And they had fished all night and caught nothing. I've fished in that boat. Have you ever been in that boat? (laughs) I've had that night. And so the dawn is about to break when suddenly there's this solitary figure standing on the shore calling out to the people in the boat. Hey guys, have you caught anything? Oh man, you don't want to hear that when you've caught nothing. And so they just respond back to that guy on the shore in a monosyllabic, no, the guy on the shore that says, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will. I mean, what do they have to lose now? So they throw their nets out. And as they start pulling the nets back in, suddenly they realize these nets are so full, we can barely drag them to the boat. It's a miracle. And in that moment, it dawns, no pun intended, it dawns on John who's in the boat. This This is like... The first time we saw this was when Jesus called us to be his disciples. And we caught a miraculous bunch of fish. And so he starts peering at the guy on the shore in the dawn. And he declares, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. And the next thing the guys in the boat hear is splash. Because Peter jumped out of the boat into the water and starts swimming as fast as he can to get to Jesus. An amazing When he gets to Jesus, you know what Jesus is doing? He's not standing there with his arms crossed with a look of scorn on his face at Peter because of his failure. No, he's cooking breakfast. Jesus is cooking. And all the women said... Amen. It's about time. Some, it's time men get up and cook breakfast once in a while. But anyway, that's another sermon. Mark chapter 21, verse 12. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who you are? Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Who are the these, the fish? No. Do you love me more than these disciples? You once bragged, you love me more. You were more committed, you're more dedicated. They'll fall, but you won't. Do you really love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Some people talk about the difference in the Greek words for love that Jesus used. And there may be a sermon there. But I think the bigger point is, why did Jesus ask Peter three times as they stood before a charcoal fire, do you love me? It's because it was three times before a charcoal fire that that Peter denied even knowing Jesus. Jesus says, Peter, I'm going to give you a do-over day. I'm going to give you a chance to get this right. And now Peter's not so bold, yes, I love you more than these. He's now saying, I love you with a selfless, sacrificial love that would die for you. Now Peter just says, I love you with a brotherly love. My love's not what it ought to be, but Jesus, you know, I love you. And that is the third point here today, that your failures do not stop you from serving Jesus. Jesus said, then feed my sheep and tend my sheep and feed my lambs. You're going to shepherd the people of God, Peter. I've got a work for you to do. Just a few weeks later, Peter is the one who stands in the crowded streets of Jerusalem and preaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and 3,000 people get saved. This guy that once denied even knowing Jesus puts his life on the line for Jesus, and God uses him in a mighty and miraculous way. And there are some people in this room, you are not your failures. Your failure is not your resume. Your failure is just a setback and it's a set up for a comeback. By the grace of God, God is not done with you. It's just time for you to come back to Jesus. Mom and dad, quit living in regret over your past failures as a parent and come back to Jesus. Husband and wife, stop living in regret about your failures in your relationship and come back to Jesus. Young person, you've strayed from God and you've hurt your parents, but you can come back to Jesus. Maybe you're filled with doubt and you're not sure if you believe God anymore, believe the Bible anymore, believe in Jesus anymore. Your doubts don't surprise Jesus, just come back to him Because you can come back from your failure. Because Jesus came back for you. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, today must be the day for you. Friend, he rose from the dead so that you could come back from your sin and your separation from God and you can be right with the Holy God. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and our band's gonna come back and close us out with a song. But this is the most important time in this service where we do business with God. And in this prayer, I'm calling on us who are followers of Jesus to rededicate our lives and come back to Jesus in a new and fresh way. And if you've never received him, do it now. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer where you can talk to God and you can come to Jesus now. Let's pray together. Your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Even if you're watching from home, this is a holy moment. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for his grace and his love and his mercy. Thank you that he died for us on the cross. We thank you that he rose from the dead on the third day. We thank you, God, that he came back from the dead for us, for our failures, for our mistakes, for our sins, for our hangups. He came back. He didn't turn back. He didn't turn away. He came back for us and he loves us and he wants to use us in his kingdom for his glory and for our good. So father, I pray every follower of Jesus would rededicate themselves in coming back to Jesus with a renewed commitment and passion. And God, I pray there's someone who needs Jesus as their savior today or someone watching online today that right now where they are, they would say, dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for going into that grave dead, but coming out of it alive. You came back for me by your grace. And today I come to you in faith, believing you are my Lord and my Savior. Heavenly Father, let each one of us take a next step in our relationship with you. And let us not be ashamed to let someone know that today I've made this decision for Christ. In Christ's name we pray, amen.